The song whisperer every Monday. We give you the lyrics, you give us the song. And not many got this one, only about three or four people telling me your troubles and doubts, giving everything inside and out. And love strange, so real. And the dark one person who did get it is Hannah. Kia Hannah. Hi. Did you know it's straight off? Because it's, it's quite obscure. Oh, when you said the last line, uh, think of the tender things that we've been working on, I got it straight away, yeah. It's click. And let's just face it, Hannah, what a song it is, huh? Yeah, yeah, I've got a bit of a the thing for that song being Breakfast Club. Breakfast and, Club? Uh, yeah, and my last year in, in seventh form at boarding school with a whole lot of us oh. really got up and sang that song. <laughs> oh, last year, seventh form, boarding school, and this comes out. I mean, that's just that's that's just synchronicity, isn't it? <laughs> I know it was a bit cheesy. We got up and sang it and done it for the rest of the um, hostel. Yeah. Good on you, Hannah. Thank you, yeah. Kia ora. That is uh, well. That is it. The song whisperer. I, I wouldn't have got it. Tell me your troubles and doubts, giving everything inside and out. Did you get that, Mark? Did you know uh, what it was? Do you know what? I didn't initially, but then Simple Minds was the first band I saw ever live. Uh, when I, on my OE, the Birmingham NEC in like oh, 1989. Are you kidding me? Amazing. Oh, uh, amazing. Stop it. How good was it? It was brilliant. Yeah. Very good band. They're, they're such a good band, Claire. And, you know, whenever we think of this song, we think of that freeze frame at the end, don't we? The iconic ending shot where Judd Nelson throws his fists in the air, don't we? <laughs> mm, I don't know if I do. <laughs> 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 okay, yeah, one person on planet Earth has not seen The Breakfast Club. Uh, very good, love the song, there you go. Thank you, Hannah, uh, for that. It is 25 to 5, uh, really big response uh, regarding um, x-rays in shoes. Well, Mike says, Wallace, I could see my toes wriggle in real time in Dolce's shoe shop in East London, 57. Penny in Auckland says, yes, we had x-rays in... <laughs> It's so strange. <laughs> it's very weird. Uh, we had x-rays in New Plymouth Hannah's Shoe Store in the 50s. We also played with the machine ourselves sometimes mm. when there were no oh. assistants around. Yes, you looked through a viewer and you could see your bones. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You're on the panel, Dr. Claire Robinson and Mark Knopf-Thomas with me today. Well, despite all the safeguards and education out there, people continue to find themselves out of pocket after being scammed. A report by the Banking Ombudsman found the number of complaints about scams increased by 63% in 2021, an increase of more than 500 complaints. The report also found scams were becoming increasingly sophisticated, impersonating trusted organisations and even family members on social media, making it difficult to identify what was real. And just today, the New Zealand Herald reported union boss Mike Train lost $13,000 after fraudsters were able to access his bank account and secretly move the money out. With us is NetSafe Chief Online Safety Officer Sean Lyon. Kia ora, Sean. 
Kia ora, how are you doing? Very well. We have talked about this before, didn't we? But um, a couple of things really resonated. First, uh, that story today about Mike had no idea it happened in was two or three tranches, 13K zip out of his trusted account. I mean, with all the information out there and all the safeguards like passwords, encryption, how are scammers still finding ways to defraud people? Unfortunately, two words: it's innovation and determination. So, um, partly when you know when someone is chasing a sum of money that is significant to them, we find sometimes they, you know the sky's the limit for for what it is that they're prepared to do, how much time they're prepared to invest, the length that they're they're prepared to go to to create and craft and make a story seem um, plausible and, and even, you know, a story that is specific to the person that they're talking to. So that amount of energy that, that, that goes into it is one part of it. And their continual ability to, to innovate, to keep changing, to modify, to evolve the, the, the scam, that the basics are the same, but the story, the convincer, all the bits around it change enough that, that, that unfortunately people will still find them to be plausible and, and, and some people, you know, increasing numbers of people will, will get themselves caught up in them. Goodness. So, you know, um, 63% since last year. And I guess my first response, Sean, is one on a human level. You know, you work hard, you save hard, you've got a bit of money in the bank, a few grand. You, you, you check in one day and you find, for example, 13K gone. It's actually quite chilling. It's, it's, it's devastating for, for for a lot of people. I mean, the, the, the amounts of money can can be can be very big or very small. But I think you know the, the general rule is true that people that lose this money, people can't afford to, to do that. This is not people mm. taking the punt, a punt, a gamble. These, these are people who are the victims of of crimes that, that are losing money that, that they can ill afford, Ill afford to. And 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 it is distressing for I think us all, all to hear about it. It's distressing when it happens to somebody close to us. And I think that the real worry is that, that you know, like, like the story today, without any knowledge, it can happen to anybody, and it can happen um, without us really being being aware of what's going on. It, it could be us next. It could be somebody that we care about next. And, and that that's really what I hope is the motivation for people to act. And that is why we are talking about it, because uh, you know, judging from that story, it could be anyone uh, when you least expect it. And look, get in touch with me, 2101, or email the panel at rnz.co.nz if you uh, also have been the victim of a scam such as this, uh, smaller or even larger. Um, Mark, I don't know if you've uh, fallen prey to something like this. Well, you know what? They're so sophisticated. Um, even just this last week in my office, um, my staff all received an email from me saying, hey, would you mind doing me a favor? And it was my email address from me. And But luckily, they sort of realized that the way that it had been signed off, um, it wasn't me because it was an irregular sort of sign off. Um, but they're so clever. Gosh. The other one I, I also brought out on was uh, Waka Kotahi for driver oh, yeah. licensing uh, they had a really good one. Uh, well, sorry, they didn't, but the scammers did. Very, very hard to tell that it was fake. Really, really quite scary. Mm. Sean? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Wakatahi one, I think, is something that someone in my place, to our, our work, described as one of the, one of the best-looking scams that they'd seen in an awful long time. The effort that went in to reproduce that is, is, is absolutely enormous. And I think look, what, what your staff have picked up there, is, is, or the way in which that you didn't get involved in that, is exactly the kind of um, process that needs to go on. It really is about somebody saying, hang on a second, he wouldn't sign off like this. This is not quite right, even though it looks like it could be really plausible. 
let's stop and think and talk amongst ourselves and work out whether or not we should be transferring that money or we should be signing into that. Those are the steps, and it is that little kind of sign that we get, but those are the steps that, that can make the difference between big loss and no loss at all. But that takes such vigilance, Sean. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Unfortunately so. I mean, some there are still the very obvious scams around there, but when things are targeted in, in that way, when someone has worked out, uh, you know, the chief finance officer or the accountant's email address and worked out the, the form of the email of the staff within your business in order to, to send a mass email to those people, Gosh. That is, that's a lot of effort going on by them. It wow. requires a similar level of vigilance and effort to make sure that we, that we protect ourselves and the, you know, the, the resources, the things that we care about from loss like that, but it does take that degree of vigilance. Uh, Claire? I've had exactly the same. I was, um, um, I, apparently I sent an e- a Gmail email to some of my staff asking them to um, do me a favour and lend me some money. And um, and it was <laughs> And it was at a weekend when this came up and I felt really just kind of sick about the fact that people had yes. got... Well, it was actually a fake email that they had created for me, for my address, and sent and fat somehow found my staff to send it to. But actually, I have to say, Nets, uh, NetSafe was brilliant because they were there was somebody to contact over the weekend. They told me exactly what to do to contact Google, Gmail, and um, okay. and it, and it stopped. So it's just you know you've got to get over that terrible feeling that somebody has actually targeted you to do this thing to try and attack uh, attack other people. Horrible that's, feeling. That's the first thing I'm well, thinking. Are they they did their homework on nuclear? Mm. Completely. One wow. thing I will say, actually, one thing I will say, I'll call out is the social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram, who are notoriously dreadful at removing anything which is seen to be fake. So we have, you know, in Newmarket, social media accounts on, on all, you know, social media channels, and regularly they're creating fake accounts. It happens to everybody, right? They're sort of doing competitions and giveaways. And Facebook and Instagram, I'll call them out publicly, are diabolically bad at dealing with it. They just don't deal with it. They're really awful at it. Sean? I, I think, you know, I, I hear the frustration, hear the pain. We, we, we talk to people all the time that, that can't have or try and get this content removed. And, and that shouldn't be like that. But they have rules and regulations that, that, that they should enforce. And, and again, you know, persistence if they're not taking it down. Contact NetSafe if, if you're having st- struggles in doing what it is you believe that they should do, and, and we'll try and see if we can assist you in getting that process going. But, okay, uh, just the practical stuff there, because Claire said um, it's quite a significant scam. They, the first contact was you. So people can, if this happens to you, people can contact NetSafe and have a discussion, and you can give them advice on where to take it from there? We would absolutely be happy to talk to anybody at, at any stage. I mean, there's, there's no guarantee that NetSafe can get money back once money's gone. Oh, yeah. Often money's gone. But certainly when people feel like, if, they, if they're having that sense that perhaps this isn't quite right, it looks plausible, it feels right, but maybe it isn't, that those first warning signs, I'd love to talk to people at that point and, and try and work out, help them work out whether or not this is plausible, whether or not it is right, and if there are steps that can be taken to, to minimise the harm or damage or, or excise themselves from the, from the problem in the first place. Goodness, someone says, I had one warning of scam from IRS today. Just deleted it without opening it. Had the, hey mum, one on WhatsApp. That's been going around here. Rang my daughter to say, what are you up to? She was surprised. (laughs) Mum, I'm at work. Are you going mad? Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. um, incredibly frustrating for people, but incredibly plausible. That's a really good example of something that's happened in a short period of time 
obviously is it, having a great deal of success because they keep on coming. Um, to have a message from a child to say, I'm in trouble, I need some money, please mm. quickly, not my normal bank account. But this one, mm. contacting you on a platform that isn't the platform I would normally contact you on, all right. of these things, that, there are warning signs in it, but, but the, the, the desperate or the desire to help kind of overweighs that, that ability to stop and think dispassionately and say, hang on a second, is this my child? Is this um, how they would do this? Maybe I should contact them by another method and just check first. Yeah, here's another one. I was scanned by someone impersonating Waka Kotahi, and yes, uh, the need to be highly vigilant. But for now, Sean, online, there are some really simple tips, aren't there? You do need to be vigilant, but there are some simple steps as well that are online on your site. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I mean t- t- take the time to, to, to look into what it is that's going. Don't be pressurised. Um, but scammers will put people under time pressures. They'll try and move you from platforms where you are comfortable and familiar. They'll move you from your email account where you're, you know, where you're, where you're happy into some kind of instant messaging or, or, or other side, somewhere that you, you aren't as familiar with, where the protections aren't the same and, and you don't understand the environment as well. So try and, try and keep, get you off your toes. And the, the last one is bizarre and obscure payment methods. If we, if we pay okay. through the banks, if we pay through our credit cards, it's likely we have some kind of cover. If they're asking you to go and buy gift vouchers from a supermarket and send them the PIN numbers, listen to those alarm bells. That's not how people do business. Good on you, Sean. Kia ora. This is Sean Lyon there, NetSafe Chief Online Safety Officer. Uh, 14 to 5, very different uh, subject here, but it is that time of year again when the flowers start to bloom, the grass starts growing and Knows the start to run as hay fever starts to strike. But because of a warmer than average winter, the New Zealand Asthma and Respiratory Foundation is warning this pollen season is likely to be pretty intense. The World Allergy Organization says it's just go isn't just going to be a one off as climate change lengthens pollen allergy seasons and about one in five Kiwis do suffer from hay fever. With us is Allergy NZ Chief Executive Mark Dixon. Mark, welcome. Kia ora, Wallace. It's one thing that I don't get afflicted um, with, uh, hay, hay fever. You're but very I, lucky. Well, this is, <laughs> I have been talking, I've been talking about this in the staff room today and I didn't realise how significant an issue it can be for so many. Yeah, look, most people learn to live with it, but it doesn't take away the grind of waking up every day with effectively the symptoms of a cold, you know. The colds go after a week or two, and hay fever doesn't. And because uh, our grasses, we're a pastoral, heavily pastoral nation, and our grasses flower more than once a season, and we have six pretty common ones that seem to afflict most people. Um, So it's an everyday thing right through from the spring through the summer. Um, and it's invisible. It's very small grass pollen, invisible to our right. Eyes, and it's designed, obviously, to fly beautifully because <laughs> um, <laughs> it's pretty much the modus operandi of grass is to spread. Um, and you know, we've pulled all our all our bush down and uh, put it into grass because it's one of our major um, gotcha you know, earners. Claire, what about you? Do you get afflicted with hay fever? I do, I do. Not from grass, but from um, uh, lilies, <laughs> like yes. the cats, oh. the poor cats in the next story, <laughs> and um, pahutakawa pollen, which unfortunately ah. we have a huge pahutakawa tree huge. right outside my house, and so over oh, Christmas oh, it's oh pretty gosh. miserable. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no cure for it, Wallace, and Claire, you would know this. Mm. And uh, obviously managing the symptoms um, is expensive, Uh 
And, you know, it's, it's, as I say, it's an everyday thing. And there's not a lot of, um, I guess, not a lot of sympathy at the moment because it, it's very similar to some symptoms of a, of a certain virus, respiratory virus, which is doing its rounds around the yes. world at the moment. So there is a bit of judgment there over the last couple of years and the wearing of masks has been tricky uh, because the last thing you want to do when you've got those symptoms mm. of a cold or a runny nose, feeling lousy, um, is to throw a mask on, and yet that's obviously been mandatory. So it, how, about, how about you, Mark? Hay fever? Uh, actually, I thought I was having some breathing problems because of a deviated septum. But actually, well, I'm a late a late hay fever developer in, in my adult life. So, I um probably in the last five years I've developed hay fever. I also live uh, in a sort of surrounded by Bahudakawa tree area, and uh, huh. it's pollen that gets me. And I've never really smelt pollen until the last five years. And um, I smell it all the time now, and it's, I'm very aware of it, and it blocks me up. And yeah, it's not not great. Not a fan, to be honest. Not yeah. a fan. Before Mark we leave you, clear, oh, yeah. I was just going to say, who did you get diagnosed by? Was it your GP or was GP? It yeah, and mine was like like Mark's. It was a late onset. It only came on yeah. five years ago. As Is well. that right? Yeah. Hmm. Oh my goodness! Before we go, uh, Mark, um, a bit of big bit of good news would it be uh, from oh, Farmac? This is huge news. I know um, hay fever's a friend of mine um, for most people at this time of year, but there's another um, bit of news last week from Pharmac who have agreed to fund uh, or put out to public consultation the intention to fund um, two EpiPens or adrenaline auto-injectors per um, diagnosed person with extreme uh, hypersensitivity to allergens. So these people have a condition called anaphylaxis and they're at risk of having a major allergy event, allergic event, and the only way to stop that dive into shock um, is adrenaline. Um, And so these devices are sort of mobile, pre-loaded. You don't see a needle, it's spring-loaded and it's nice and easy delivery and it's uh, quick. They expire after a year and you have to buy a new one. So up till now patients have had to fund that on their own, so this is massive. This but is good. 40 years we've been working Is that right? Is that um, right? Gosh. Okay, bit of good news for you there, Mark. Mark, yeah. Yeah, we've got to move on. Kia ora. Okay. appreciate your time. That's Kia Mark Dixon there, the Allergy NZ uh, Chief Executive. Oh, gosh, they still keep on coming. Jay says, uh, I was at primary school. Tate's Shoe Shop in Napier had what they called an X-ray machine. They just keep on coming. It was portable, nothing like today's machines. I put my feet on it and so on. Eight to five, the panel finally on this. You'll be wanting to hear all about this if you have a pet. Do you have the following plants at home? Lilies, aloe vera, snake plants, or is it called ficus? Anyway, if you do, you might be inadvertently poisoning your beloved family cat or dog. These are just some of New Zealand's most popular house plants, but also could be toxic. With us is Kerry Murray from Southern Cross Pet Insurance and former veterinary nurse. Kia ora, Kerry. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. I did not know about this. I did not know about cats and lilies. I'm sure that many people did not know about this, but you would definitely know about it. I would, yes. Um, so lilies, and it's more the, the flower that you mm. get, the true lilies in a bouquet. They're um, incredibly toxic to cats. Oh, um, gosh. And even it's kind of all part of the plant, actually. So it's not even just, you know, people sometimes um, cut off the, the orange piece, the pollen, but yeah. it's actually um, 
the leaves, the it's even the water in the vase is really toxic. So, and it causes kidney problems um, and can be fatal. So, if you ever have lilies, always um, keep them well away from your cats. And actually, to be honest, I would never have them in my house because they are so dangerous. Get rid of them. Get rid, Get rid of, them. of them. You and wouldn't want coming up. See? Oh, well, okay. You see, with so this Christmas is a... lilies. Christmas lilies, big deal. Get rid of them. No Christmas lilies. Protect the moggy. And I can imagine, first thing I'm thinking of is actually the cat's welfare, that liver failure, but also the cost of treating them. Yes. Yeah. So you're looking at probably around $1,500 upwards because they will need to be at the vet for a few days um, on a drip, but also being monitored with the kidney levels, and there can be ongoing costs after that. And I mean, sometimes they they just don't survive at all after mm. a few days. So, you're a pet, you're a pet man, Mark. I am indeed. But I was thinking, thinking you take the cat down to the shoe shop for an X-ray, um, <laughs> but maybe not. Uh, no, I, I was mortified to hear about this because those are very common house plants, all of them. Precisely. I have a dog, and my dog isn't luckily isn't a chewer of anything apart from dog food, which which I'm very grateful for. But I've got some friends whose cats and dogs eat everything, so um, quite quite concerning. Because lilies are so innocuous and sort of you know nice. They are, except for those yeah. of us who suffer hay fever. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> that is true. What about you, Cleo? Are you a cat person? I'm a cat person. So yeah. we used to have a cat that drank from a vase and ate a particular flower that was in the vase. But So my question is, are they attracted to eating these plants um, um, rather than detracted? Hmm. I mean, because uh, if they're poison, they're... you'd think that they were, they'd have something that wasn't attracting them. Um, I don't think they're attracted, but I think there's just some animals that eat things and others don't. Um, and cats tend to jump up onto places. You know, if you yeah. put them on the table, they'll jump up on the table and, and rub themselves, and that can actually just be enough to to create a, a reaction. Um, I don't think they go out of their way to eat them, but it, it is out of all of the plant toxicity, I think the lilies are probably, you know, the most common and the most dangerous, really. What about Daphne? I heard that Daphne was also pretty toxic to cats. Yeah, that's right. And look, you know, there's daffodils as well, which is, oh. which is you know, this time of the year. It's more the bulbs than, than the plants. So it's just sort of really when you have plants, just to Google them and see. There's some really good websites out there. We have a, a, a site at Southern Cross Pet that you can look at and, and see what are toxic and, and what aren't. So it's just sort of doing your homework. Um, you know, another thing is there's a lot of people planting vegetables at the moment, so tomato plants and so anything with the nightshade is is quite toxic to dogs, as well as cats. But, you know, dogs tend to sort of go in, quite a few, especially puppies, go in afterwards and pull out the plants and that sort of thing. So that's something to be aware of as well. Yeah, because um, you, 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 you don't want to get your dog or cat sick and have it treated uh, with uh, this, this sort of failure. Uh, do people really realise how poisonous these plants are? No, I don't think they do. I mean, I think lilies, definitely not. You know, I was just talking mm. to a friend today and I said to her, oh, you know, I'm going on the radio about lilies and she had no idea, two cats. Yeah. And people just, Gosh. they just have no idea about it. And, you know, and yet we know, I know of people that, you know, have had that issue with their cats and so it is fairly common. 
So if someone's oh. listening and they've got one of these plants in their home, is there any sort of easy advice? Uh, what uh, should they do? Because the other thing is that we love our uh, house plants, we love our lilies, we love our daffodils, uh, and and they're they're a treat. Yeah, they are a trend. It's just, look, I, I have a beautiful fiddle leaf thing, but I have it in a really big pot so that no animal can get near it. And it's just keeping them out of the way. You still want to have these, you know, plants are, are amazing in the house, but it's just keeping them away from a cat or a dog, especially if they're a chewer. Like, you know, if you don't have a dog that's a chewer, then it's unlikely they'd even go near your plants. But I don't want to be I don't want to be a Monday downer, but uh, someone says, my daughter's cat had a leaf flower mistakenly, ended up with renal failure, tried to save her with dialysis. She died, cost $7,000. Uh, no lilies in the house anymore. We say that because of uh, it's awareness, isn't it, Kerry? That's the important yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even, you know, florists aren't aware. It's just, if you're going to buy someone some flowers, find out if they've got a cat first and then just mention to the florist, hey, please don't put any lilies in that bunch. Hmm. And it's just making people aware that's all we can do. Good on you, Kerry. Thanks for that's that. That's Kerry Murray. Uh, good, good advice there worth bringing up, Mark. 100% because, you know, give lilies to anybody, really, if you buy them flowers. So it's good to know, have you got a cat? Yeah. What can you have? So, That's um, right. Plastic flower. That's right. And we can't do without our cats at home, can we, Claire? Well, unfortunately, I am. But no, no, we can't. No, absolutely. Hey, lovely to have you both on, Dr. Claire Robinson, Mark Knopf, Thomas. Wonderful company today. Thanks, Wallace. I am back tomorrow, 3.45. Checkpoint is next, going out with a little bit of Simple Minds.